You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right. All right, guys, we're, I'm gonna, enough, enough of this. We've got a lot of ground to cover, and I believe the Lord wants to do something. I believe the Lord wants to do a powerful, the Holy Spirit wants to do a powerful work, and this is going to sound strange, but in opening up some of y'all's mouths, okay? And I'm going to talk about that, and it's significant of that. Some of you are like, nope. <laughs> you're like, no. And you're nudging your spouse. No, need to close their mouth, right? <laughs> nope, uh-uh. No jokes today, guys. We're going to get down to it. We're talking about the church unstoppable, and we're going to look at a story that happened in Acts 3 and 4. Now, we're in our sixth part of this series, and we're only in chapters 3 and 4. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we've got a long way to go. So, in Acts 3, we see something very significant take place, and, and I'm going to just kind of tell you this story and, and give you a little bit of background on this, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And so, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray at what the Bible says is about three in the afternoon, and that would have been, they, traditionally, they would have prayed three times a day. And so this would have been the middle, okay? And so uh, the middle prayer, and Peter and John were going to pray. Now, when I talked about margin a few weeks ago, I talked about this story briefly about how they had a pattern, like they had to have a pattern in their life in order to uh, see God move, and that's very significant, all right? That's not a light thing. That when we make margin for God to move, He's going to move. But if we don't have margin, then even though we desire for the Holy Spirit to move in our life, sometimes there's just not room. So we have to create margin. And so this is one of those times that they had the space in their life, they made space in their life to to go to to prayer. And on their way to prayer, they encountered a, a man who was lame, the Bible tells us, from birth. And this was um, a strategic opportunity for people who were crippled because they understood that people were going to be coming to pray. And so if you are somebody who is reliant upon the, the benevolence of other people, you want to be where people are. And we kind of see that even in our society, is that people that need money, if they're going to ask for money, they're going to be in busy places. And so you would have had the same thing operating there in that day that the book of Acts is talking about, the Acts of the Apostle. And they were lined up there. And as Peter and John are walking, they, they, they hear, they can hear the chatter of the people who are crippled that are in need of benevolence just crying out for money. And the option that they had, and it's kind of the thing that we do, and it's easy maybe for us to understand this because I know most of us have been in this situation, is that when we see somebody asking for money, a lot of times we look away. We turn, we do this motion. If they're over here, we turn our head. We, 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 we try to just quickly walk by. But the Bible tells us something very interesting about, about Peter and John, is that before they were asked, Peter the scripture says Peter's eyes were fixed on him as were John's. <laughs> and I love that because I believe that's highly significant. Because I believe that fixed moment that we read about there in Acts chapter 3 was a moment that Peter being filled with the Holy Spirit, John being filled with the Holy Spirit, and what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an opportunity. See, there's not an opportunity for the Holy Spirit if we're not looking. And the Bible says that Peter and John fixed their eyes on this man, and this man fixed his eyes on them. There's a connection. What I believe is happening in this moment is that Peter is listening to the Holy Spirit. 
Because before this man can cry out for alms, for, for, for some coins, Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. Stretches out his hand and says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now here's what I want to talk about this morning is that that is a phenomenal miracle, one that we should get excited about, one that we should even, dare I say, desire to do. I want to be a person who, would, could, who could flow in the Holy Spirit and be able to see that. I do, honestly. That might seem crazy to you, but I, I desire to do that. But here is the key, is that it would not have happened if Peter had not opened his mouth. It would not have happened unless Peter, in obedience, being filled with the Holy Spirit, allowed the Holy Spirit to open up his mouth and the words of the Holy Spirit to come through him. Peter did not huddle around him with John and say, John, let's come over here and pray for this man. Peter did not look at him and just walk by and say, John, it would be good that when we go to prayer, we remember this man. When Peter fixed his eyes on this man, I believe, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Now here's the key. Is that in these moments that we desire the Holy Spirit to move, and if you desire the Holy Spirit to move in your life, for God to speak to you, for God to move you, then you have to be prepared to open your mouth. You have to be prepared to open your mouth. And I'm going to talk about today some areas that we have to open our mouth, be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit chooses to partner with us, and why it is so significant for us to speak what the Holy Spirit says. So when we go further into this story in Acts 3, what we see is this, is that this man gets up and begins to walk. And the whole crowd becomes amazed because they know the story of this man. They read it on Facebook. They knew that he had been lame. They knew his story. It was a hard luck story. And it was bad. And then all of a sudden, this guy who everybody passed by day in and day out is all of a sudden up and walking. See, and what's significant about that, I believe, is this. is because it's what we call an undeniable miracle. And I believe that when it comes to these areas, no matter if it's something that we see in the physical realm or something that we see within our own lives, that we don't think God can hurdle something in our own life, that we say this is impossible. When we come to these places where we need an undeniable miracle, it becomes even more significant for us to open our mouths. To speak prophetically into these situations. And so the crowd rejoices and they begin to praise God. But in Acts 4, we see something else. We see a backlash. The Sanhedrin got angry with Peter and John. They were confused. The story rattled throughout the town. They heard about it. They were frustrated because people of the way, these were Christ followers, the first Christians, had been declaring Jesus Christ. They have been declaring the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when they were approached by the Sanhedrin, Peter again opened his mouth. And he began to preach the gospel to them and began to tell them about Jesus from start to finish. He told them about Jesus. And they were confused about what to do with Peter and John. 
And so their response to them was this. We want you guys to leave and never to speak the name of Jesus again. In Acts 4, 19 and 20, this is Peter's response. Peter and John's response. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Their response was quick and direct. They looked back at him and said, there's no way in the world that we're going to stop talking about Jesus. And what took place after that was even more amazing. And this is where I want to bring us today. Is this idea of the significance of your voice as the Holy Spirit speaks to you and the importance of you speaking it out. I know that seems like a small thing. But I want to tell you that it's highly significant because when the believers got back together, when Peter and John left the Sanhedrin and they went back to the fellowship of the believers, this is what they did is that they joined together and they prayed. And they asked the Holy Spirit. We read this in Acts 4, 29. It says this, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. What did they do? They didn't just confront authority. What they did is they said, Holy Spirit, if this is going to be the pattern that you choose for us, that we must declare what you are saying, Holy Spirit, about Jesus Christ, if we must move in your power, then we are going to need to speak. And in order for us to speak, you must fill us. You must fill us. Give us boldness. Give us boldness. I want to talk to you, ask you this question. Does what we say really matter? And I just want to give you a couple places in the Bible that talk about the significance of our, of our words, how God has lined these up. The first thing that I want to talk about is this, is the creation narrative. Because in Genesis 1, what we see is that when God made the decision to create the heavens and the earth, He spoke them into existence. He spoke them into existence. He didn't snap His fingers. He didn't just will them into existence. He chose to allow His words to begin to create. And why is that important? Because there's a very important, wonderful mystery that is tucked in us. And it's held together in the idea of prayer and the idea of prophecy that we see the significance of what happens as the Holy Spirit speaks to us that we must speak these things out. Does that make sense? Okay. God chose words. He chose words. I'm going to read to you in Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. Because our words have the power to bring life into people, the life of God into people, and to begin to turn hearts. It says this in Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. It says, From the fruit of their mouth, a person's, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. With the tongue, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. How many of you guys believe that and have experienced that to be true? You've seen that in your life. You know exactly that that's true. That there have been times that you have been encouraged or you've encouraged somebody and you've seen them pop up. 
I know that I have both benefited from encouragement and I've given encouragement, but I also know that there are times in my life where my words have cut quick. That they have spoken things that, that, that kill. That kill. And our words become very significant. The Bible talks about this, how important our words are. How important our words are and why they must be lined up with the Holy Spirit. Why God desires for us to speak what the Holy Spirit says. The Scripture tells us this, that we'll be satisfied with the words of our mouth. That our stomachs will be filled with the words of our mouth. You know, some of the greatest damage, honestly, if I could say it like this, that, we, that happens in our lives doesn't, doesn't just come from the words that other people speak to us, but they come from the things, the negative things that we speak to ourselves. Anybody here uh, a self-down talker? That's my own term. Where you, you just, man. Hey, I love babies. Don't you love babies? No, I'm being serious. I love babies. And you guys should be glad that we have babies in this church. I'm serious. Babies are welcome in this church. Even crying babies. If that makes you uncomfortable, find another church. All right. And so here's the thing, is that we're going to be filled with the things that we eat. And if you're a, if you're a, a person who, who, who talks down to yourself, then you're eating from that, that fruit in your life, and it's going to have an effect because you're going to be filled with the words. As much as what you say out of your mouth to somebody affects them. And so the Bible gives this precedence, a very powerful principle about the significance of our words. So do our words matter? Yes, they do. We see the importance of our words at salvation, at the work of salvation. In Romans 10, 8 and 10. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. Now listen to this. If we declare, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you, that you profess your faith and are saved. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about why the Scripture asks us, commands us to speak out at the point of salvation that Jesus is Lord? That He is the one who has saved us. That Jesus, I believe in You. I believe that what You did at the cross satisfied the wrath of sin that was in my life. I believe that You rose again. I believe that Your blood covers my sin. I believe that You are the resurrection and the life. I believe, Jesus, that You are Lord. Do our words matter? Yes. And here's why. It's because there is something that lines up in us when we hear what God is saying in our heart and we speak it out. It is a beautiful mystery. It is a powerful partnership that God has given us. It is a wonderful thing. You know why prayer is effective? It's because we are speaking out to God. That we are speaking out to God. Jesus talks about it. He talks about how our words are used to release faith. And this is the, the parable of the fig tree, or the story of the fig tree, I'm sorry, in Mark eleven twenty two, 22. Jesus says this, Have faith in God. 
Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Man, that's a scary scripture. I want to tell you, that doesn't give you permission to go around and command stuff to be thrown into the sea. That's not a carte blanche for you just to go around just declaring all things. But this is something that God asks us to do. It's a very, very powerful principle that we need to get a hold of, that we need to ask the Holy Spirit to make alive inside of us, is that when God puts something in our heart. Now, let me say this. That when God speaks something into your heart, it's not going to be crazy. It's going to line up with His Word. And it has to be confirmed. God's not going to ask you to do something silly or stupid or dumb, something that contradicts who He is. He will not ask you to do that. If you run around and you start claiming things and doing things that don't line up with God's Word, you'll be corrected. But when God puts something in your spirit, the certainty of knowing it comes with the confidence that Jesus is talking about here. I tell you that if you look at that mountain, and you tell it to be cast in the sea, it will be done. And you believe. And you speak it. What is Jesus asking us for? Is that in order to release faith that we have to really believe? But part of believing means that we confess. That we speak. That we say it. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Oh, wouldn't it be so nice if all we had to do is just believe it? But the Scripture says you have to believe it and you have to speak it. Okay. All right. We're just building a foundation right here, okay? Jesus goes on in Matthew 12, 33-37 and talks about these, the idea of what our words, they reflect the truth about what we believe. What is true in our hearts. And he's talking to a group of Pharisees here. He says in verse 33, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and the fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. He's speaking to the Pharisees here. How can you who are evil say anything good? They were trying to trick Jesus. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good from the, things, from the things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil out of the evil that's stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Wow. Now Jesus, mind you, the context of this, Jesus is talking to people Pharisees, that their hearts are hardened and they, didn't, they hated Jesus. And so his words are sharp and his words are stern. But there's still an underlying principle here that we need to grab a hold of in understanding why our words matter. It's because it's going to tell the truth about what's inside of you. And if what's coming out of your mouth doesn't reflect the goodness and the future of God, doesn't reflect encouragement, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help change your heart. And a lot of times, too, we, we think that our words don't really count and we let our words become idle and even silly. But Jesus takes an account for them. He takes an account for them. All right. Now, I want to I turn the page here and I want to talk 
This is really where I want to come to today because I wanted to, in the scriptures, show you that our words are significant. Our words are not just things that can float around and we can just say, but our words have an importance that God chooses to partner with us through our words as our words line up with what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's a powerful principle. But these are the areas where God wants to use our words to partner with the Holy Spirit. These are the areas where our words need to be alive, where our mouths need to be opened up, and we need to begin to speak in these areas and let our words line up with the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us. The first area is this, is that we need to speak faith. We need to speak faith. Why? Because as we speak faith, it conquers unbelief. It conquers unbelief. One of my favorite stories about this is in the Old Testament. When Joshua... The Lord asked Joshua to walk around the walls of Jericho. And I love this story for so many reasons. Because Joshua was one of the spies. He and Caleb were the only two spies that Moses sent in out of the group of spies that came back with a good report. All the other spies came back and said, No, Moses, you can't go into that land that God has promised. There's giants in that land. There's huge grapes. Like you can't go into this this land. You're going to get destroyed. But Joshua and Caleb go and they tell Moses, no man, we're going to take it down. Let's go. They're filled with faith. But Moses pulls back from that. In a moment of forgetfulness, forgetting what God just did by rescuing them out of Egypt and out of captivity through signs and wonders. He forgets the promise of God. And as a result, a generation dies in the wilderness. And then God appoints Joshua and says, you're going to take the people, my people, into the promised land, over the Jordan and into the promised land. And now they're coming up on Jericho. And God gives him a plan. He said, you're going to march around this place for seven days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. And on the last march, at the right time, you're going to have the Levites and the priests, they're going to blow trumpets and you're going to raise up a shout. And I'm going to do something powerful. And this is what I love in this story. In Joshua 6.10. As Joshua is explaining this plan that God gave him and beginning to speak out the plan that God told him, he says this, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. This is what Joshua is saying. Your words kept you in unbelief. And I watched a generation And I watched my mentor die in the wilderness. And your words will not keep us in a place of unbelief. You're only to open up your mouth when I say to. And I want you to open it up in faith and believe. When I tell you to shout, you shout. When we open up our mouth in faith, there's a two-way street that goes with this. Is that when you are, the Holy Spirit puts in you the word of faith, you speak Faith, you don't speak fear. And if you mask fear as hedging your bet to see that God won't come through with something, it's still fear. Speak.
speak what God tells you to speak when God tells you to speak it. Open your mouth up to speak faith. To speak faith. To speak faith. Okay. Second place that God wants to open our mouth is to release encouragement. To release encouragement. Why? Because encouragement defeats fear. We've got some radical encouragers in this church that I'm so thankful for. Oh, I love them. I love them. And there's times that we have to speak encouragement in the truth of God's promises in our life and in other people's lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says this very simple but beautiful little scripture. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. Peter, Paul, I'm sorry, is talking to the church in Thessalonica here and he's encouraging them, reminding them that they possess this truth. That they're opening up their mouths to speak encouragement. That they're building each other up. And do you see that what happens when we speak words of encouragement is that we're building courage in people. And there are times that we walk through in this life that we can't get through alone. This is why God has seated us in a body together. This is the beautiful aspect of the body of Christ. Why we need one another? Because we need encouragement. We need encouragement. And when we speak and open up our mouth to speak words of encouragement... And this is what I want to say to some of you would-be encouragers. Open up your mouth. I'm even go as far as to say this. This is, this is, this is a, just hear me on this, please. Is that for some of you would-be encouragers that, that God has, has put that in your heart and you feel that nudge. The enemy has lied to you and say, I'm going to sound stupid if I say that. That's just it. That's a lie of the enemy. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Encouragement doesn't hurt anybody. When we encourage people in the truth of what God says and the Word of God and the love of God and the joy of God, it is putting faith, it is building them up. Just what, what 1 Thessalonians says here. You are building each other up. And friends, listen, you can't survive upon your own encouragement. This is why none of these things operate independently. Even though we might need to have something move a little bit greater in our lives, you can speak faith, but you still need to hear encouragement. You can speak the word of faith in your life, but you still need to have encouragement. You still need to have encouragement. Okay? I watched this this documentary of this very, very stupid man. I just talked about it being encouraging. I called somebody stupid. Let me explain why I think he's stupid, if, if he can. He's actually not. But when I watched it, I was like, man, you're crazy. This guy did what was called the ultimate triathlon. And he went from Morocco to Monaco. And he swam the Strait of Gibraltar. And then he biked all the way through France. And then he ran, uh, I think it was like 400 kilometers into Monaco in 12 days. That's why I said stupid, okay? <laughs> He's not a stupid person. But I'm like, I would die. I would, I, I would actually like get like two feet into the water and be like, no, nah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. And this man, he, it was amazing about, this, about this, this, this documentary is that this guy, his whole philosophy, is like, what people are asking me, why? Why am I doing this? And he said, I really thought about it. He goes, because 
I wanted to be able to test the limits of how far I could go. But as he is doing this journey, what is around him are four friends, and they're planning everything for him. They've timed out his meals, they've timed out the hotels. They're calculating the routes. They're talking to him continually. They're constantly encouraging him. The guy, his best friend, is going by with a microphone and just telling him over and over again, you're a champion. You're a champion. You're a champion. And toward the tail end of this journey, what makes this so remarkable is he did it in 12 days. But what's phenomenal about it is that he literally, literally passed out running and on the bike. His, his mind was still working, but his physical body stopped. And every time, his crew would get out and carry him to the van. And then carry him to the hotel. And then he would rest and he would be able to recuperate and he would get back on the bike. And every time, his distance, he couldn't go as far as he did the day before. He almost tore tore his quadricept. And he keeps going. And his team is saying, listen, we're going to listen to what you said, what is in your heart. You want to test the limits and you want to do this. So our job is to encourage you to get you there. And the very last day, he makes it in his time frame and he gets to Monaco and he kisses the landmark of Monaco. And his team gathers around him. And he said, there's no way in the world I could have done this without my team. The same thing is true in your journey with the Lord. There's no way in the world, you're going to be able to do what God has called you to do because it outpaces you. It's bigger than you. It will test all of your natural limits. It will stretch you. It will push you without encouragement. You need encouragement. It's time to open up your mouth. It's time to open up your mouth. What if Freedom Christian Fellowship was known as a church that radically encouraged people? That radically encouraged people. All right, the next one is this. Let's keep going is that we have to open up our mouth to break strongholds. Why is this important? Because this destroys the enemy's attempt to bring pain, frustration, or anger. Just got brighter. All right. I want to read this to you, this familiar passage. Some of you, if if you've ever looked at this idea of strongholds before, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1 through 6, What we commonly read starts in verse 4 and it says this, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension and sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. But what I want to hit on actually happens before verse 4. And how the significance of our words play into this. Because this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. And he says this, By the humility and gentleness of Christ I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid, when face to face with you and bold toward you when went away. The argument here is this, is that Paul, when he comes to Corinth, is too soft. But when he writes letters, he's harsh and he's corrective. But this is Paul's response. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live by the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Here's what Paul's saying under an accusation of how he's conducting his life. He's saying this, that I'm going to deal with the Holy Spirit is going to deal with this. That I'm going to have to confront this. 
And I know that for some of you, the connection here, you have to understand it. There's a context here that's very significant. But when it comes to breaking strongholds, yes, we pray. Yes, we rely upon the Holy Spirit. But we have to speak out. You have to confess these things to the Lord. That if you're dealing with anything that is a stronghold, you simply can't let it sit in here. The Holy Spirit will deal with it, but you need to speak it out. And that's scary. Because sometimes we think that when we confess, we become too vulnerable. And sometimes we see confession as a bad thing. But what confession does is moves that from a place that is internal to outside of us. And it does two things. It brings us into realization that this is a problem and only the Holy Spirit can deal with it. And it also brings us into relationship to help us get whole. Now here's the truth that you have to understand. And I'm telling you, please, please listen. I've talked to so many people over the years that deal with the stronghold. And they go in and out of it. And I say, is there anybody in your life that you're accountable to? No. And if the answer is no, the stronghold will not be broken. Because there is an aspect that we have to speak it out. If you want freedom in your life from a stronghold, you have to confess it. And you have to believe the Holy Spirit. He does the heavy lifting. He's going to break it. He will do it quickly. But you have to put yourself in a place of accountability. God wants to open up our mouths. Hey, I could, I could talk about this so much. And if I could just be this blunt to, to, to our church this morning in love and grace, I am sick and tired of seeing people who are called of God and gifted of God be sidelined by strongholds. I'm sick of it. The church needs you. The body of Christ needs you. But the enemy has got you hogtied. And all you have to do is confess. God, you're the one who's going to break it. But I'm getting this out. I'm getting this out. This is not who I am. I'm getting this out. All right. The next one is this. Got two more. Justin, you come on up, man. Is that we need to open up our mouths to speak the prophetic promises of God in us. All right. Why? Because this unlocks future and the gifts of God in people. I tell... Uh, Parents all the time, speak prophetically to your children. Speak prophetically to your children. Parents, you want to know why speaking prophetically to your children is the biggest tool that you can use, the greatest tool you can use to raise your kids up properly? It's because when you speak prophetically to your kids, that you're treating them as individuals. What God speaks to me is not the same thing God speaks to you. What God says about my future is not your future, it's different. And God being the good Father knows how to speak to us as individuals, to line us up with His purposes, to keep us in His grace, to keep us in the promises that He's given us. And parents, if you want to raise your children, or grandparents, if, you've been, if you have the responsibility of raising your grandchildren, speak prophetically to them. 
Ask the Holy Spirit what He is saying about your children and speak those things out. One of the greatest lies that the enemy has ever done to the church after the day of Pentecost, and it came full force, was to shut down the prophetic nature of the church. And the prophetic nature of the church flipped scripts from the Old and the New Testament. God used prophets in the Old Testament to correct, to line up the church, to line up the people of God as they got into rebellion. God used the mouths of prophets to do that. But when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, and the gift of prophecy came, the gift of prophecy now points us to the fullness of Jesus Christ. And it pushes out a day of future and hope that we all need. And the enemy has worked overtime within the church to silence that voice. And the prophetic voice within the church has to wake back up. It has to wake back up. I love in Isaiah here because he wrestled with this, the weightiness of this. Because there's a little bit of understanding that we need to take hold of when it comes to being able to speak prophetically. In Isaiah 6, 5, and 8, this is the conversation that Isaiah has with the angel of the Lord. He says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And when he touched my mouth, he said, See, this has touched your lips. The guilt is taken away from you and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And God used Isaiah specifically to correct some of the issues that existed within Israel. But I believe there's a principle here for anybody who is prophetically inclined. Is that the prophetic is not a tool of destruction. It's not a tool to be manipulated. It's not a tool for personal use or profit or gain. And shame on the church and anybody who says they're a part of the church that's used that for that purpose. It's not a tool to get rich. It's not a tool to show off. And the solemnness of it is this is that nobody speaks out prophetically unless their lips have been touched by the Holy Spirit. And unless their hearts are yielded to the Holy Spirit. Because when you speak prophetically, you speak the future of God. And God takes it very seriously. But when we speak prophetically, what happens is this, is that we unlock future and hope. And parents, one of the great privileges that you've been given is to begin to speak prophetically in your children's lives. There's some of you here this morning that you know that's 
who you are. And it's time to open up your mouth and to begin to speak. Some of you have been called to write prophetically. And it's time to write. Oh, there's so much I can say about this. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Some of the things that we see that are wrong in our country are going to be solved prophetically, not through a political figure. God's going to open up the mouth of a generation. Oh, man. Oh, man. Mm. You watch and you see. So this is what I would tell you is that get in so you don't get left out. All right. The last one is this. is to declare the gospel. Uh, we have to have courage to speak the power of the gospel. If the Holy Spirit did anything, it was this, as He empowered the church to speak the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. To declare the testimony of what God has done in your life. To declare the testimony of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And this is what I love about the book of Acts at the very beginning, is that every time Peter got a chance to open up his mouth, matter of fact, any of the disciples got a chance to open up their mouth, they said, all right, from the very beginning, here we go. This Jesus, this Jesus who was not born of a man, was not born of a woman, but came from the Holy Spirit, came. And he was the prophet that the Old Testament talked about. And he was the one, and you guys missed it. He was the cornerstone that the builders rejected, but he was the one, and he died. And he laid himself down, and he atoned for sin. That sin would be broken once and for all, and the grave could not hold him, but he rose again. This is what we see and what we testify for. And if you will believe and you will confess that he is Lord, you too will be saved. Oh, they preached that message. That's the only message they preached. And then they're like, and you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is what we saw. And they opened up their mouth. And this brings us all back full circle to Acts 3 and 4. He said, if you don't open up your mouth, if you don't open up your mouth, if you don't let the Holy Spirit open up your mouth, It's time for us to say, Holy Spirit, touch our mouth. Open our mouth up. There's some people that you've walked across every day that it's time to present the gospel to them. It's time. It's time. And when we bring this all together, this is what we see. As taking some steps today, and as we come and we celebrate around the table, I want to invite you to just consecrate a place. Don't walk away from this too soon, but spend some time with the Holy Spirit. And ask Him to open up your mouth. We'll have some people up here who can pray with you. And yeah, we want to pray with you. We believe in the laying on of hands. That's important. We want to do that. But I want you to spend some time at the altar praying and asking the Lord to open up your mouth. Maybe it's in one of these areas that you see and you say, God, i got to start speaking in faith. i got to start speaking encouraging words. Maybe I need to confess something that I've been dealing with and I confess this. 
And if you need prayer, listen, I want to tell you something. When you confess, if you come up and you say, I need to confess a stronghold, it's not me who's saving you. I don't have the power to save you. I don't. But what I'm going to say is this, is I'm going to grab your hand or grab your neck, and I'm going to say, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit's going to break this stronghold, but this is not who you are anymore. See, you're a son or you're a daughter of God and you're free and He's going to make you free. And I'm going to be there in your corner to see you take steps of freedom. Some of you need to get up and you need to say, listen, I need to speak prophetically and open my mouth. And some of you say, look, I've been sidelining this, this act of being an evangelist that I know I've been created and called to be. And it's time for me to open up my mouth. And if all you do is tell the story of what Jesus did in you, then that's what you need to do. But the Holy Spirit needs to open up your mouth. When you come up here, ask the Holy Spirit to take inventory of your words. If you count every word and you know every word and there's no idle word, then Holy Spirit, you ask. I ask you just to take inventory of my words. Is what I'm saying bringing you glory? Is it bringing life? If it's not, change my heart. Some of us need to pray and ask for the strength to be quiet until we can speak what God is saying. If you've been speaking self-doubt, if you've been speaking things, you've been hedging your bet, it's time to be quiet. It's time to take a page from Joshua chapter 6. That God, I'm not going to speak until... You say, maybe for a season you need to be fed by encouragement, but you need to speak until faith grows up inside of you. And you begin to speak. And for all of us, we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for courage. Because it's not in our strength or our ability that we speak. It's this beautiful mystery of the partnership that God gave us. As we hear the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, empower us to open our mouths. If I can get the elders to come and prepare the table. And when I call for us to come to the table, if I can get some of my ministry folks to come up and to take communion and then Make yourself available to pray. And I'm going to be up here to pray. If you need prayer for anything in any of those areas, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to move. Will you stand to your feet? And Jeff, if you'll dim the lights, please, man. Thank you. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you again. We thank you that you're here. And we thank You, Holy Spirit, for the strength to open our mouth. Lord, I thank You that You love us so much. God, that You have partnered with us. And Holy Spirit, as You begin to speak to us, that we would open our mouths and speak. So help us. Encourage us. Empower us. Give us wisdom. Lord, we confess our shortcomings. We confess the things we need freedom from. And we thank you that Holy Spirit through you, there's freedom. Lord, we open our mouths to speak prophetically. Just speak the gospel. Would you come to the table now?